You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we have a great show planned for you today. Our first guest is Harris Glasser. He's author of It's My Money and And I Want It. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live exclusively on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our Advertisers, Brandman University, Center Club, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, SNH Rubber, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs running middle market firms, to improve your decision making skills. Harris, welcome to the program. Wonderful to be here. Let's start very simply by asking you to tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. When I was 20 years old, my dad lent me $5,000. I went into business bidding small construction contracts for the city of New York. By the time I was 28, I had 69 contracts running. No computers back then, no cell phones, all, all files, not even copying machines. And I was pretty much ready to pack it in. I mean, things were good. Uh, it took me four years to wind it down. Did some traveling. Uh then started another business, indoor farming business. What's that? What's indoor farming? Indoor farming, hydrophonics. Okay. Okay. Uh, started growing back then. Sprouts were a big thing. Sure. All right. Started off with uh, six little packets. Inside of two weeks, we were shipping a half a ton a week down to New York City. Wow. Sold that. Moved down to Florida. Replicated it down there. Sold that. Came back to New York. My sons were getting older at this time. Started a car rental business, daily car rental. Started with four vehicles. Worked it up to almost 80 vehicles within about a year and a half. And then just applying some good business stuff. Never liked to work hard. I think you could make money working easy, enjoy more. Whoa. We're able to reduce it down to 48 vehicles. Worked less, easier, made more money. Sold that. Did some more traveling. Came back to New York. And right now... Took time to write the book. Uh, small contracting business, small little uh, college wholesale textbook business keeps me busy. And I come out here twice a year for a month. Well, that's nice. It's good to be out here, especially this time of the year, isn't it? California, it's it's out beautiful. here being California, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Harris Glasser is our is our first guest on the radio show. So you're a serial entrepreneur then. I By definition, so. you okay. start and sold successful businesses. Yeah. yeah. Pete, how did you get into these different businesses? What is it about car rental or uh, indoor growing that got you, okay, I can try that now. I was successful here. I'm going to give that a shot. Okay. First of all, I always like challenges, like the contracting you know, for the city yeah. and state and federal agencies. It got boring after a while. <laughs> after you did it and you were successful? Yeah. And I didn't necessarily make zillions of dollars. To me, success is defined as also having a quality of life. Right. Okay. That's f- something a friend of mine once said, you live better than rich people. I yeah. said, and I said to him, why? And I knew why. He said, because rich people are always in their office trying to make more, more, more. He said, you seem to have just a great quality of life, working easier, and having more, enjoying more, 
at a beautiful pace. Mm. So success to me is a combination of not necessarily zillions of dollars, but really being able to enjoy a quality of life. Right. Spending time with the kids, you know, a little time in the office, right. that stuff. So, so you have two boys? Is that what Yeah, I heard? two sons. Two yeah, sons. one is 45, one's 47. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, they're all, they're all grown-up men now. Oh, yeah, with three granddaughters out here. That's why we come out here. <laughs> all right. Oh, they're, one of your sons is out here? Yeah, with the three granddaughters. Nice. Well, yeah, I'm sure you have to come out here to see them, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what started uh, the indoor farming thing? We are hanging out upstate New York, originally from New York. We moved up to upstate New York. You could just hang out for so long, right? And right. my wife said, gee, I was reading an article with these couple of girls growing uh, some you know, alfalfa sprouts, which she used to grow for our salad at home. She said, they made it into a business. I said, okay, we have nothing to do. The first week we grew six bags, rode 100 miles to New York, and I go, no, this is not happening. I guess I'm back in business. <laughs> uh, put together some business sense. Uh -huh. Like I said, within two weeks, we're shipping a half a ton a week. Wow. That was nice. We sold it because, okay, we did it. You yeah, know? did it. Been there, done that. My mom was down in Florida, so hanging out, what to do. Okay, let's do the same thing. This time we're supplying all the supermarkets down there. Hmm. Also sold that. I'm in New York. I came back to New York. Right. Looking for something to do. A friend of mine who was in a car business said, hey, you, you know, you're looking for something to do with the kids? I said, yeah. He says, hey, I'll hook you up with some cars, get you with Chrysler. I said, okay, so with four cars. And after a few months, I go, oh, no, no, okay. We got to get this thing going. Boom, within a year and a half, we had 80 vehicles Jeez. out there. Wow. And then sold that. See, the skills are transferable. Build a successful business in one industry. You can apply the lessons learned and good business sense, I've heard you say. Yes. When I was getting married, I was working for my dad and his partner. And they were paying me. I was getting $65 a week, which even back then, 50 years ago, still was not a lot of money. <laughs> and I said, Dad, I'm getting married. He said, what you're learning is worth a million dollars because you're going to be able to apply it in any single business mm. you go in. And he was right. Right. He was absolutely right. right. You know, business, you just learned it. The, the things of the particular business, but the rules stay the right. same. That's what I believe. Like 80% of a business are common, right? 20% is unique to maybe the different car rental or That's hydroponics, right. but 80% is transferable. That's why we do this radio show. And you show. know what that 80% is? Relationships, relationships, relationships. There you go. Break that down, ladies and gentlemen. Bang the gong, Mr. Engineer. we got a teachable moment here on Critical Mass radio show with Harris Glass. We're going to take our first commercial break, okay. and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about your book. I'm interested in understanding the inspiration for writing It's My Money and I Want It. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 
560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's succession-strategies.com. Today's businesses are embracing voice over IP telephones and unified communications desktop technologies to more effectively communicate and collaborate with their customers, suppliers, and colleagues. The Reliatel management software from Tone Software Corporation helps organizations of all sizes manage their communications technologies to ensure great voice quality and better levels of service and reliability throughout their business. Through Reliatel, you'll gain higher return on investment from VOIP and unified communications technologies while lowering the associated operational support and maintenance costs. Learn more. Visit www.tonesoft.com or call 800-833-8663 for information on Reliatel by Tone Software, the solution for quality business communications. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. As you know, if you were listening before the break, Harris Glasser is our first guest on this segment. His book, It's My Money and I Want It, is what we're going to talk about here in a moment. But first, I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 14,000 shows during the last 30 days. And we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. All right, Harris, before the break, I was going to ask you to tell, about, tell us about your inspiration for writing the book. Yes. When I was 20 years old, I asked my dad, how much money do I need to be rich? He said, Harris, if you'll always spend a dollar less than you earn, you'll always be rich. However, if you always spend a dollar more than you earn, I don't care how much you earn, you are always going to be poor. Wow. Now, fast forward, many, many, many years later, a friend of mine said, Harris, you live better than rich people. I said, why? He said, because you manage to live better, have more, easier life than rich people slaving away. And that goes back that was why I said before, there was something my high school teacher said to me. He saw a quality in me, which he said, Harris, you're always going to be successful in whatever you do because you always find the best and the easiest ways to do things. Hmm. And that's what I've done my whole life. Okay, Finding the best and easiest ways to do things has allowed me, without earning zillions of dollars, to have an incredible life, to travel where I want, what I want, to eat out when I want. Not buying jet airplanes, not necessary. Having a credible life. And so people, with their existing income, 
who may be, you know, using 90% of their income for survival, cost of living, and 10% maybe for entertainment, okay? It's to teach them what I did, how that 90-10 can become 65-35. Okay. Without, start, I need more money, I need, oh, I'd love to take a vacation, I'd love, whoa. Okay, you can do all that. So the inspiration behind the book was for decades, I was teaching people, helping people in business with their problems and personal life. Mm -hmm. And then my son said, Dad, come on, you gotta put this into oh. a book. Okay. You need to book this, everyone is struggling. And you know, you've never, never made zillions of dollars. You've had a wonderful life. You have to show other people how they can do that. And I don't care if you're, uh, as long as you're someone who handles money, I don't care if you're on unemployment or big money roller, okay? You're going to walk away with something from the book. That's what I was going to ask you. Who, who should read it? If you handle money, you should read it. Okay. And I'm not talking about you're going to learn to budget your money. That's you know, great. You're going to learn how to get what Pim Fox on Bloomberg Taking Stock called me. He said, this is the man who teaches us how to squeeze more juice out of our orange. Nice. That's a heck of a compliment. Oh, yeah. Coming from Pim Fox. From Pim Fox, right. You know? So how long did it take you from the time that your son inspired you to begin the process till you had the book ready to be? You know, that's, that's several years. Okay. That's a piece of work because also my sons who are reading the book, they go, hey, Dad, how about you remember your people you walked through who had IRS audits? And you walked them through that? You got to do a chapter on that. Mm. Or a, a, perfect, a perfect example is actually building a business from zero to 80 cars, reducing it to 48, and then making more money, working easier. How do you do that one, right? right. Everyone thinks they have to work hard and get bigger, is bigger, bigger is better. Oh no! Oh my God! <laughs> I can't. It's amazing how you could work less and easier and make more money. A perfect example is uh, people say, "Hey, I've been in business forty years. Made X amount of millions of dollars. You know, what are you going to tell me?" I was on a job. I was working with the engineer from the government, and we passed my, uh, my head carpenter installing a door frame, and he said to him. Hey, Joe, you're installing that door frame wrong. Not that it wouldn't stand up, but as per government specs. And Joe, the elderly carpenter, said to the young engineer, what are you telling me? I've been doing it like this for 40 years. And the young engineer said, well, Joe, then for 40 years, you've been doing it wrong. <laughs> so just because you're doing certain a certain way, you've been successful, doesn't mean you've been doing it right. Maybe right. it could have worked easier. Maybe it could have made twice as much money. It's for everybody, the book. So you're applying your philosophy of working and finding the best way to do things to money, to business, to life. To collection companies who are after you for debts. How to make them leave your life and never come back. And not advocating don't pay your bills. I'm just saying, you know, you don't need that. Easy ways to deal with all these things. At what age in your life did you start to realize there's got to be a better way to do something and then start to do this? Was this a teenage thing? Was it a kid? Do you remember, like, how far back in your life this philosophy? It was of, a teenage Because this thing. is a life philosophy, not a business philosophy, right? That's right. That's exactly right. Because it also has to do with your quality of your life, your relationships. It's, it, it's applicable to everything, not just money, you know? doing things the easiest for instance uh, in your relationships marriage is bunk heads right rate of divorce is 50 some odd percent okay but I know if I do everything I can right to make my wife happy if she's happy guess what 
she's going to be easy to be around. <laughs> I'm going to be happy, right? Right. And and so uh, you know, in life, in business, whatnot, it's not necessarily about being right. My dad taught me great one. He says, "Better to be wrong than right." You see, whenever you you're right, you've learned nothing. Mm. When you're wrong. Now you're going to learn something. So allow the other to hear the other person. I took advice from my two sons. We went back in contracting. Had been away for for years. Like I said, we had the car rental. Yeah. Okay. And we have a little contracting business. Took them up to one of the government agencies, and they said, "Hey, Dad, why don't we bid this work?" I go, "No, no. Factory manufacturers bid that direct." They said, "No, go ahead." And I started based upon my. 40 years of experience to pose an argument and I remembered my own teachings just because I was doing it a certain way 40 years. Right. I said, you're right. How about if I tell you we picked up contracts that are now going into 15 years that have brought in millions of dollars of work all because she fresh young eyes, I listened wow. to them. So it's not about being right. It's about staying open, right. listening. Right. It was great. Well, that's a lot of what I do for a living here in Southern California is help business owners surround themselves with other people who can give them advice without any uh, desire to gain from their the advice they give them. That's right. Masterminds, roundtables, I call them CEO peer groups. That was my first book. I think a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners can get a lot of valuable insight if they just ask questions and listen to the answers. Right, and and it can, the answers can come from anyone. Like, hey, my yes. two sons who knew nothing about I was just starting to teach them contracting, right? And they said, "Hey, it doesn't cost anything to put in some bids. Here we are. We've got a five-year contract. Renewed another five, and now another five. So, Harris, if someone wants to read your book, what would you tell them? There, we've already talked about a lot of what they're going to take away from that. Is there anything else in reading your book that would that there's a major takeaway that we haven't had? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Great question. They're going to learn to stand up for themselves. For instance, if you brought your car into a garage, hey, the engine is making all kinds of noise. Fix it. He fixes it. He gives you a bill for $1,200. Would you just give him a check? Wouldn't you want to know what took place? Of course. You, you may even want to see to use parts. Right. But some reason, for instance, I'll use medical bills. People have huge medical bills. They get a bill from a hospital. That's like no one would dare question a hospital. Nonsense. And the book goes into that, how you, if you just question, like I said, stand up for yourself, question, you cannot believe how you'll cut your hospital bills, your medical bills. I'm saying minute bills and things come from banks, come from anywhere. We back off and we think, whoa, no. They're going to walk away learning to stand up for themselves, to question everyone, everything, every institution, and they're going to be blown away like, Oh my God, that was easy. The uh, the collection company ran away. The medical bills, oh my God, just got cut in half. Right. It's They're going to walk away with an empowerment. And it's a funny thing. Once you do any one of these things and you feel better mm. about yourself, now what happens, that's right, it's a domino effect. Right. It starts to domino to every aspect of your life. And the next thing comes along, it's like, oh gee, I got it. But you know, no. And you go for it. Right. I had a friend of mine, it was a small thing. She had left a job. They gave her some severance pay, whatever it was. 
She wasn't happy with it, but whatever. And she said, I read your book. And even though there's no story about it, she said it was written between the lines in your book. Mm. It really is about standing up for yourself. And she went back to this big firm. She stood up for herself. She says, I know what Harris would do. She says, I walked out with another check. Yeah. They're going. So that's. Do That's it. what you're going to learn to stand up for yourself. It's simple. Like sometimes you just you're going to buy something and you really want it, and you see the price. And even if the price is reasonable, it doesn't hurt to say, "Ask, is this your best price?" <laughs> just a question like that. And they could say, "Yes, that's our best price." But it is amazing to me how many times they go, "Well, I could probably give you another five percent off." And, and even if they don't, you say. You know, okay, let me get back to you. I'm going down the block. <laughs> I have a story in that book on the art of negotiating, okay? Yes. And they, believe me, they need your sale need more than you need the purchase. Right. I do updates on all the social sites and every month on people who buy the book. And there's a couple of them, which is handling is the new in. And if you're not haggling, you're losing money. Wow. It's getting to be like in the East. It's expected. Right. It's absolutely. It's built into the price. That's right. Because there's an assumption And if you there. don't, you're paying for something you don't need to. Okay. So, so we're, we're talking to CEOs of business owners and of middle market, small and middle market companies. Now they're thinking, hey, I could learn something from reading Harris's book. How do they find it? Okay, it's simple. It's www.harrishelps.org. H-A-R-R-I-S, harrishelps.org. The website, the video, a world of inf- They're going to love it. I can tell you, they're going, I, you know, they're going to love it because it's filled with true stories of everything. There's no concepts in there. Right. Everything in there works. Practical. It's been done before. If you need instructions for the particular thing, I give you what to say, how to handle it. It's all written out. A high school person can read it and just run with it. Okay. Even a young person like our producer, a millennial with a reasonable uh, limited experience. Or, yeah, or a, yeah. Or a dinosaur so. like our engineer. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, it, yeah I it think spans. I, the, the, that's the kind of demographic it spans, huh? That's, that's yeah. it. Basically, okay. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Especially reti- best for college students. Fixed income people, right? And fixed income right. people. Sounds wow. Like- well, All of a sudden, they find they have more money left over at the end of the week. And it's like they didn't do anything different. In terms of not buy the right. thing, they just did it differently, and all of a sudden they're paying less every day for things. And all of a sudden, there's money left over at the end of the month, at the end of the year. It's like, oh my God, I could suddenly take that vacation. Harris Glasser, it's my money, and I want it. And the website is Harris Helps. Org. I want to thank you for being a friend of the program. Thanks for coming in and sharing your experiences with us. And welcome to the Critical Mass community, my friend. A pleasure. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. We're going to be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results, a cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge, with the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days, all with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, 
Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. SNH Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, buninitrile, and viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the SNH brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let SNH be your ceiling solution. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. Our exclusive prospect engagement program delivers up to 23 warm prospects to each of our advertisers each year. If you'd like to learn more about our prospect engagement program, contact Rose Chamorro, 951-515-4661. All right, we have two guests in the studio, Mark Matthews and Eric Wolf of Airwolf 3D. Let's start with you, Eric. Tell us a little bit about your professional path to starting this firm and now leading it, etc. How did you, How did you end up here? Well, I, I started as a mechanical engineer and uh, worked for a year or so in actually bearing sales and uh, got to travel all around the country and uh, actually toured Southern California as part of my first job. Loved it here, so decided to stay. As part of staying, I got my law degree here at Whittier Law School. And uh, after law school, I started practicing patent law and okay. uh, practiced patent law for uh, about 10 years. And uh, sort of in my spare time, I, I, I just love cars and love tinkering with cars and, and designing things. And in my spare time, I uh, had been uh, working on a car model, trying to make a uh, like about a 10th scale model of a car that I wanted to design and actually manufacture and, and sell. Okay. It, it was this, this thing that was kind of always in the back of my head and, and I had to give it a shot. And uh, so my uh, my wife, Ava, uh, she's a co-founder. She uh, encouraged me to to 
put that model in a CAD and then to have someone build it for us. Okay. And uh, so when it got time to build the uh, actual model, well, we looked at 3D printers and having things 3D printed, and it was going to be $500 or so just to get one copy of this car made, this little one-ton scale car, and then I knew I was going to make changes to it. Right. And so it would have started costing $500 each change, and I, I don't think Ava would have been very happy with that. So uh, I said, well, we can go buy a 3D printer, and uh, the 3D printers at that time were about $20,000. It was very expensive for an individual. Sure. right. And she said, uh, well, you can just cash out the 401k. Why don't you follow your dream? What a woman. <laughs> what a woman. <laughs> Did you? You're blushing over here. You can't see it. Well, you can on the uh, YouTube video, but on uh, the radio show. I think I was about 15 minutes away from cashing out the 401k. <laughs> 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 what happened? <laughs> well, uh, I, I went to go buy the printer online, and, I, and it was maybe it was $20,000. And then uh, the, the ad said, okay, well, then for another thousand dollars or so you can buy the materials and then for another couple thousand you can buy the cleaning solution and i started adding it up right and it was going to cost me a couple hundred dollars just to build one model and it was it was so expensive it didn't make sense so i, I just kind of took the night and rethought the whole thing did a little research online and there was this other area of printers that was on the very low end and they were about uh, fifteen hundred dollars or so and we ended up purchasing one of those and uh, got that for Christmas. It arrived in a cardboard box with no packaging material, nuts and bolts um, flying around the box. Turned it on. It started smoking. Nice. Uh, yeah. The, no, nothing worked uh, really at all. Spent a week trying to get it to work and finally just disassembled it to nuts and bolts and bearings and threw everything else away. Hmm. And uh, yeah. So, so we, that was the genesis for <laughs> I can make a 3D printer better than these guys? And uh, yeah, sort of, yeah. And then we were um, on vacation in Big Bear, and, and I was thinking about, I really want to make the car. I really want to follow through on this. And then I sourced parts from all around the world, from Italy, from the Czech Republic, Spain, and uh, put something together. It actually worked. And mm. so at 3 o'clock at night, when, uh, uh, I woke Ava up, and I said, it's, it's working. So we're actually printing stuff in the, in the kitchen. Wow. And how long ago was that? That was in uh, 2012. Okay, not early that long 2012. ago. Well, it's 2014 now, so it's a year and a half. Okay, so now, Mark Matthews, what attracted you to this space, 3D printing, and the price points that uh, your firm is delivering? Why did you leave the corporate world to to join a company and 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 be its president now? Yep, that's okay. correct. So. Uh, I'd had a very successful career at Toshiba, spent 20 years there, and was actually CEO of their 2D printing division, doing all the paper and those kind of products. And I was personally ready for a personal change in my life to go do something different. And I actually met Eric and Ava through their law firm. We had a mutual friend in, in, in common at the law firm. And I got to meet them, and it sort of really, really, really resonated with me. So I had been the big corporate, multinational, distributed products in the US and Latin America was sort of eager though to really go build something from early stages. Okay. Um, I love this space. Having been successful in 2D, I thought 3D, well that'll be a new challenge, right. a little bit it's more a whole complicated. New dimension there. The whole new dimension, we'll go out and make it do it. And uh, I met Eric and Ava, uh, they're the type of people they are, to get to know them, they just honest, ethical people, really care about their customers. Uh, Eric is infectious with his love of technology. 
And what was neat for me was I could bring something different that they didn't have really from the business side, right. really building infrastructure, helping with financing. Uh, I've spent 20 years in distribution, which they didn't have. So the skill sets were just really, really complementary between the three of us. And uh, it's just turned out to be a great, great move for me personally and, and to move from a big corporate thing into a fast-paced entrepreneurial startup where yeah. every, there's too much to do and not enough time has just been been invigorating for yeah. me personally. I, I left the corporate world to start my own business yeah. and going from a world where a good idea takes a while to get into the market to a good idea can be in the market at least on your website later that day yep. or that week <laughs> sure. if, you, if it's, it's really a good idea it is amazing it's very liberating isn't it? It's very but, very liberating you, you leave you leave it the day almost more refreshed than when you showed up in the morning. Well, there you go. So what is the current state of 3D printing from your perspective being a driving force in that space. Uh, we hear a lot about it. There's a lot of media coverage for it. You've clearly identified a, a niche that you want to be in, an area. So help our audience who are CEOs of middle market companies, some of the manufacturing firms, to understand from your perspective kind of what is currently going on in 3D printing. Abbreviated version. Sure. Because it's a big market. <laughs> it sure is. I, I think you can get 3D printers all the way from $200 to probably $2 million. Uh, I generally think of the market as divided into uh, three areas. We have the uh, cheap kind of consumer 3D printers that may or may not work, kind of like what I went through. Okay. And uh, then at the very high end, we have 3D printers that can print with extreme detail. You can print titanium. You can print jet engines with them. Uh, in the middle here, and in the middle I'm talking in the less than $10,000 or less than $20,000 range, but above the $3,000 range, uh, we see uh, uh, a, a large potential market for B2B, uh, for, let's say, uh, engineers using SolidWorks. Uh, to share a 3D printer at work. Okay, for prototyping? Exactly, for prototyping, but prototyping in a functional sense. Okay. And so this is... The this isn't a mock-up then, I'm sorry. Right. I'm just having a conversation with you. Exactly, exactly. Okay. This is uh, convention when we think about prototyping, we think about um, uh, maybe printing out something and showing it to our boss, and it looks very nice, but it's delicate. Don't drop it. You're right. There's only one of them. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that's with the conventional materials. That's through an SLA process. And then we have the ABS um, process, um, which is a, it's a, a part that you can feel and touch and won't break when you drop it, but you can't use it in a machine. Right. So a lot of the prototyping that we see the demand for at the aerospace companies are parts that are made out of materials like nylon, polycarbonate, strong engineering-grade materials. Okay that can go in machines and at least be tested for a right. day or two right. to see if it's going to work, right. see if that gear is going to work. Because the earlier in the design you can figure out what's wrong with it, the cheaper it is to fix it, right? Exactly. So I have a question, and maybe you guys, because you come from the 2D space, right. Mark, and you've been in the printer industry for a long time. D did the industry misclassify itself by calling this thing a 3D printer? Is this really, I mean, isn't it more than 3D printing? I mean, you know, I think when we use the term printing, we almost lock ourselves into a paradigm that isn't appropriate for the capabilities of these pieces of machinery. Yeah, I think that's that's very accurate. And I, I don't know where the word 3D printing came up from, but this is really, the word I use a lot is additive manufacturing, where layers upon layers of things are created to create a new piece to be differentiated from subtractive manufacturing, which is taking a chainsaw to a piece of wood and taking stuff away. Um, so aren't we giving people the capability to become a manufacturer of something? Absolutely. I mean, we, ha we have great case studies of people uh, 
doing short run production parts and plastics. Normally they'd spend fifty or hundred thousand dollars for a piece of tooling to do injection molding. Now in a matter of minutes at a low cost they can design plastic parts and uh, we even use it in our own production line at uh, Airwolf 3D. We actually print a lot of our own parts in the process. Right. It's a fascinating technology. It's going to change manufacturing everywhere. That's what I'm thinking. And, and it changes the consumer uh, and supplier relationship. Eric, it, uh, so let me let me tell you who I'm talking to. I'm talking to Eric Wolf and Mark Matthews. They're with Airwolf 3D, an Orange County 3D printer company that is creating great I'd say middle market products then, for the way you describe them. I mean, their they're price range in the middle, high value products for a lot of different applications. Uh, yes. Could you see a day where consumers have 3D printing devices and you go online and you buy a product and what they download to you is the instructions on how to make it in your own home? Could, could that day happen where you're not even buying the physical product, you're buying the intellectual property that allows you and license you to make that product in your home? Could that be it? Uh, certainly. And, and to a certain extent, you can get on uh, websites today and download things like nuts and bolts. Um, you can download the 3D files, and uh, you could put that file in one of our printers and press print and have that nut or bolt, albeit in nylon or polycarbonate rather than steel. Right. So it's, the beginnings of it are here. All right. We're going to take... We're going to take our first commercial break during this segment here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We've got so much more to talk about in this space, and I don't know how much we're going to get to in the next 10 minutes because there's a lot that I want to ask you guys, but it's great to have you in the studio. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen, because we're going to continue this conversation with Mark Matthews and Eric Wolf of Airwolf 3D in just three minutes. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top 10 universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www sbnonline.com. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. 
Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Eric Wolf and Mark Matthews are our featured guests here for this segment. They're with Airwolf 3D, and we're talking about all things 3D printer. And I would like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. Uh, we appreciate your growing and continued support. All of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Um, Mark, from your perspective, coming in with a fresh set of eyes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, You're you're seeing the market opportunity for this. Yes. CEOs of middle market companies are listening to our show. Some of them are manufacturing. Some of them are construction. Can you just kind of share with us some of the examples of how companies are using your products to create products for themselves to use either in prototyping or other applications? Yeah, we see a couple of applications, and our our customers are really business-to-business applications, and so that's where our focus is at. They really fall into two broad categories. One is rapid prototyping, and the other is this sort of additive manufacturing that we talked about. So a good case study on this would be someone like a Boeing or Lockheed who uses our customer, who uses our product, and they want to develop a part. In the old days, which be even today, they would send a part out, have it reproduced, coming back to the engineer. They tweak it, realize, hey, I got to make a change. Has to go back out. It gets reprototyped. But now they can actually print it from their desktop. And so what we're trying to be is the HP printer or the printer sitting next to the engineer's computer, allowing them to print out that three-dimensional object. And so that's really the focus of what we do. The other area that's really interesting, and you alluded to this, is the change in the manufacturing world. So we actually have customers who do short-run manufacturing. We have a customer who sells drone parts. So he's printing in this polycarbonate, lightweight, high-strength material, sells it on eBay. So when he gets an order, he'll set out a piece, he'll uh, print out a a set of propellers or skids or whatever and ship it immediately. Uh, I ran into a customer the other day that prints parts for pickup trucks, a special lighting that goes on truck beds. Um, and he has plastic parts, and he just prints those, those whatever parts he needs, be it for a Ford or a Toyota or whatever, just needs one or two of them. He can print them out immediately and get them to a customer the same day. Really changing the way people run in businesses. It, it changes the whole idea of what it means to be a manufacturer because um, before this, I, I was the president of a manufacturing division of Delphi Corporation here in Southern California. And, you know, raw material, yep. inventory, just in time, all these other issues go away if you have the capability to do short-run manufacturing right there in your shop. Right? Changes over changes overnight. It makes you competitively such a different animal than what you were beforehand. So I would encourage any middle market CEO who's a manufacturer who hasn't yet looked at 3D printing to take a look at not only 3D printing but Airwolf 3D because it sounds like you guys are in that space right. to help them. Um, let me ask you, Eric. Uh, technology always disintermediates somebody. Right, you get a new capability through this technology, and somebody wins big, and somebody might lose big, so I, I, I or lose a little bit. So I'm wondering, there are firms that are set up around building prototypes and and short run. Uh, how does their business change when their customers now have the capability to offload that internally? Do they then have to reinvigorate their business model, or or what do you see happening in the supply chain when companies have much more capability to do this? Uh, quick manufacturing called 3D printing? Well, we see a lot of in-house engineering and prototyping taking place, certainly, just like what you said. Convention an engineer would, would design something, send it out to the prototype shop. A week later, the part would come back, and it probably wouldn't be quite right. And it would have to go back out. And we have a two-week um, run in that. Whereas now, uh, if he has a 3D printer on his desk, it'll take a couple hours. 
And what our 3D printers are particularly good at is doing quick, strong prototypes that are accurate as well. And what we and when I mentioned prototypes, I mentioned a quick prototype. If you want the the almost final part that you're going to check for the really precise tolerances that you are going to put, for example, in a jet engine, you will still send that out to the $2 million machine, which is not well, yeah. not feasible to have in your shop. Um, this prototyping will get you to that point so that you won't have to run uh, a couple of different variations on that very expensive, time-consuming machine. You'll already know exactly what the part's going to look like. You know, you, you guys uh, use the term Boeing and, and large firms, and I can certainly see how multinationals like Boeing and other behemoths in the aerospace industry would benefit from this and maybe an automotive as well. But I'm also thinking my audience, which are middle market, $100 million companies, $50 million companies, this could be a real competitive advantage to have this technology. And at the price points that you're talking about, it's not prohibitive, I don't think, for a $50 million company to buy a couple of these for their engineering prototyping. Do you guys agree? I totally agree. And I think you know what you'll see is a big shifting in where manufacturing is being done. So today, instead of having to go to China, where you're paying for the long time transit time, you got IP issues with your technology. Well, if you can do this in-house, do your parts quickly. You can change them, be in the production line the next day. You don't have to worry about inventory, managing tooling. Uh, engineering is more flexible and nimble than they were before. The whole landscape of manufacturing, particularly for the small and middle market, is going to change. It's going to make them much, much more competitive and put them on, a, I think, a better playing field with larger companies. Yeah, we were a $70 million manufacturing company, the Delphi division that I was responsible for. And anytime we had an outside process, I always had a risk around that. I yes. mean, there's time risk. There's It's out of my control. It leaves my shop. Anything can happen. That's not a good day. And if I can insource that and keep, if I have the capabilities to do inside, I much prefer, as a manufacturer, right. to keep that stuff in in the shop. And it sounds like to me, with your technology, which is far more than just printing, you give them the capability to insource a lot of things that historically maybe they've had to outsource. And you guys are only starting to open the envelope of what this technology can do for companies, aren't you? Yeah, this, this industry is very uh, immature compared to other industries. It, it reminds me of the early days of the computer industry where everybody was scrambling to figure out exactly what works and who's going to survive and who's going to die and everybody's doing stuff at the local level. It's very analogous to that, what went on in the computer industry 30 years ago. And I think that, Eric, is the best use of the printer term in that we all know how office printing has then led to home printing and who doesn't have at least one printer in their house let alone in their office and how much do we use it of stuff that we used to have to send out to get done only this is a highly capable product that can do more than print print a nice brochure it can sure. print print parts that you could sell <laughs> certainly so uh, to me this right is away. this I, I agree with you completely this we are seeing uh, what I like is giving it, other entrepreneurs this capability and then they figure out how to use it Right. Yeah. Other businesses take what you've invented and figure out how to apply it in their business model that gives them competitive advantage. Yeah, this is one of the biggest change in the world of manufacturing in, in two decades. And we're, I mean, we're seeing just, people yeah. bringing more and more back to the right. U.S. Right. So you're enabling. You're an enabling technology for right. that. Right. We'd like to think so. Yeah. I, I mean, think you absolutely are. Well, you know, we as we mentioned, we make our products right here in Costa Mesa. You know, so we brought jobs right here to Orange County in Costa Mesa that might normally have been done in Mexico or China. So we're the perfect case study of a small growing company that's using that technology to differentiate themselves.
Powerful. That's a great idea. All right. So uh, if someone wants to learn more about your story, about your product line, about the applications and case studies, how do they find Airwolf 3D online? Well, you can go to www.airwolf3d.com, uh, and you can reach us at email at info at airwolf3d.com as well. Final question. Tell me why, how you picked the name. Well, my last name is Wolf. Got that part. And uh, air sort of reminds us of uh, when we look at the printer, it's clear. It's got an airiness, airiness about it, if that is a word. Uh-huh. And uh, it's got an openness to it. So combining the two uh, just kind of clicked. Okay, so I lied. That's not my last question because when you answered it, maybe it reminded me of another question that I wanted to ask you. Are your clients taking you in new directions? In other words, Mark, when you meet with them, do they say, "Well, if your product could do this, we could do"? Would do you have one that has this capability? I mean, do you do you see your your product line expanding over time based on input from your clients? Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen just in the just the last few months, we've really focused in on certain couple segments, and those customers have resulted in new products that we introduced just last month. We talk about the polycarbonate. That came out of the corporate world saying, we want to print this, and no one else can. Can you help us? We want a bigger print area. Can you help us? Yes. And we absolutely, the customers have been a driving force in our product line. And you're going to see us expand dramatically in the next 12 months, the number of products that uh, we have. So this kind of brings full circle to the earlier thing I asked you about, which was in this kind of a world, a good idea can be on your website later that week. It sounds like here, a good idea from a customer can be in your product line within a couple months, right? That's true. Delivering, Absolutely. shipping. I mean, that not that a great... Isn't that a great place it's, to be? It's a wonderful place to be. It, 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 nothing's better than answering your customers' needs, is it? i got to thank you both. I mean, I think I love entrepreneurs. I think it's the hardest thing to do in business is create a business from nothing, right? The world wouldn't care if you never got your products into the market, would they? They wouldn't know what they've missed. No, and I have to give a lot of credit to my wife, Ava. So she said, no matter how good this 3D printer of yours is or how good you think it is, it's not going to matter if it's not online, if we can't get it, if we can't get it out there, if we can't tell people what it is and she did a wonderful job on the website uh, our website's uh, ranked among the top three in the country for 3d printers right now wow congratulations so that's all her work shout out so. to ava <laughs> yep. you're a good husband never leave the show without saying something about the missus because she's earned that I, I like your style uh the earlier guest said happy wife happy life there you go business partner too all right let's give the website one more time and then we'll be done www.airwolf3d.com all right Thank you, guys. I've uh, This Thank time you. has flown by. This has been fun. C- continued success. You're going to have to come back and Love continue to. to keep us updated on this exciting area that you're in. I thank appreciate you so it. Much. Thank All you. right, I'd like to thank our engineer for today, Paul Roberts. Our Chris, our producer is Crystal Nunley. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Asia Celestino does all of our marketing strategy, and Melissa Padani helps with social media. Our VP of Sales is Rose Chamor, and I'm your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank our advertisers: Brandman University, Decision Toolbox, NBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, SNH Rubber, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection for their support of the program. Until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 